Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, July 29th, end of July. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Smashing the Under Betts. That's what we're doing today, man. On the show, we are. Uh, I'm excited. We're talking about some season-long prop bets, maybe looking at teams or players that we think could lead the league in certain categories, which I always love talking about because it feels so good, you know, in July when you just call your shot and, and it hits at the end of the year. It's a long wait, so people might forget what they bet when they go back into their account at the end. But um, this show should be a lot of fun, and I'm excited. And if you missed out on the article that I wrote about three or four weeks ago, I just added two more prop bets this morning, so check it out. It's on the site. We're going to talk about a few of those today on the show as well. It's going to be a five-minute show. We're just going to tell you to take the under on everything and log out, and that's about it. That's all you need to do. That is your crash course in uh, season-long props. I mean, literally, that's accurate. (laughs) It's (laughs) accurate. Yeah, this is one of the softest markets in the NFL. You know, People love betting spreads and totals and... It sometimes is fun to get, kind of get caught up, especially if you're sitting there on like Sunday afternoon. And you're like, I want to, I want to watch Sunday Night Football and, and just throw a little money on this. But it's so hard to beat those. Well, these prop markets are insanely soft. If you just take an under on literally every prop that exists out there, yes, you'll lose a lot of them, but you will probably win somewhere in the range of sixty to sixty-five percent, depending on the year. And that is a profitable strategy. So <laughs> if you have the bankroll to literally bet every under, you'll probably do very well. We're going to pick out a couple overs, though, today for fun as well. So we'll see how we do. Yeah, and we'll kind of go over the general strategy of what we mean by season-long props because it really it can be really simple, but you have to think about it differently than redraft and maybe your convictions you have in best ball because you are playing the odds. And when we're talking about unders, we're clearly talking about you know injuries. We're talking about even factoring in uh, performance and how the rest of the team functions. So we'll talk about that. Uh, if you've been following along all summer, you know that we've been all about best ball in the summer of best ball. If you want to get our full rankings, which are updated almost daily, you know, you and I are going to have some tweaks later today of some players, uh, including Isaiah McKenzie, uh, who's gotten some buzz about being the slot wide receiver, just boosting him up a little bit. We want him to show up on some rosters of some of our listeners. If you want our best ball primer, which is Beautiful, might I add. It's it's uh, it's updated. 
you can get that in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, which has the best ball primer, best ball rankings. And even more importantly, as we head into August, it has the DFS Pass, which has, yeah, baby. has the goodies, man. That's I mean, that's what the people are here for. Dude, we both put blood, sweat, and tears into that thing. Like actual blood. tears. Actual blood <laughs> into the DFS Pass. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's fun. We love DFS, and obviously that's why the show exists. And we love, uh, you know, our mantra, DFS for the rest of us. So if you're intimidated about playing DFS this year, we definitely encourage you to stick with us all year. But man, the DFS pass, the value that it provides, I, I get offended every year. The value that it provides based off of what you get through the Super Bowl. I mean, it's a couple bucks a month. It seriously is the best value in the DFS space. So check it out today. And I'll just add this. We were running some numbers of certain articles and basically looking at how has the DFS pass progressed? You know, we put in more content. We've put in more time. We now have two people that are part of our job is DFS, like everything. So from where DFS was, I started tracking the numbers 2018, 2019, 2020, last year, 2021. While the numbers keep going up, like we have doubled over in terms of our page views, in terms of access, our content is still the same exact price. So I know we have that annual meeting. How do you feel like that meeting will go with the guys when we bring that up? <laughs> We're going to present the data, and they're going to say, what was it last year? Yep, let's just keep it the same price, because that's what we do. Yes, I. It's and you know what? The best part about our audience and our listeners and people that get to play DFS with us, I mean, you get to play with us in our DraftKings League every single week, is people that are learning the game, learning how to play it the right way, learning how to build their bankroll, but real winners that actually do like cash money. like They really do it. So last night, we had a writer's call that we got to walk through, you know, just some of our new writers introduced some of our practices. Mike was on there. We we got on a random tangent about Chase Claypool and it came up from our writers. They're like, hey, because you guys talked about Chase Claypool that week, uh, I want a bunch of money in DFS. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was the week that we talked about Chase Claypool. I mentioned him as a dart throw and we had a listener win over $100,000 just because I happened to write it down. So that's the formula. <laughs> it's easy isn't it just listen to what kyle says and you'll be a rich man that was a crazy week because it was rookie year he had that four touchdown game and i think he was like 0.6 percent rostered like it was just... real quick yeah i'm gonna just take us off the rails a little bit where are you at on chase claypool for best ball like i've been kind of scared of deontay with big ben not being there targeting him so much in the offense in general but like claypool's there every time around pick 100 and i just can't hit the draft button are you in or are you out I'm in the same exact boat. I was in a draft, and this morning I had, I got to pick from a couple different options. What was interesting is I already had a Ravens stack. This is in Best Ball Mania. So I had a Ravens stack. I had Lamar and Rashad Bateman, and we know that they play the Steelers in Week 17. So I was, just, and that was in the back of my mind. That's where we're at. When you see a team like the Ravens, you immediately go Steelers, Ravens, Steelers. But I had a choice between Sky Moore, Tyler Lockett, uh, a couple other guys, and then I really did consider Chase Claypool, who was a bit further down. And although the correlation sounded really great, I just could not talk myself into seeing volume and seeing any type of consistency from him. And I get it, he's more of a volatile player. So I went with Sky Moore because I didn't have any rookies on my squad. I wanted to correlate him with some other uh, players that I had. But at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know, what's his best case scenario? Chase Claypool this year. I mean, with the quarterback play, which part of me baking this in is like you put out a little bit of um, research on some of the show docs and stuff about like rookie quarterbacks 
and not only what they do for their own teammates as far as pass catchers, but how many games they play. And if they're picked in the first round, they almost always start in year one. And so let's say he plays, Kenny Pickett plays eight games. Like we know that fantasy ceiling is probably reduced for both Deontay and Claypool, unless Kenny Pickett is just otherworldly good, which he might be, but you know, historical data says he's not. So best case scenario, wide receiver 20, I feel like, I don't know. Yeah, I think Trubisky is going to hold on to the job longer than than we think. But the, the stat that also goes with this is rookies that start at least 12 games in the rookie year, rookie quarterbacks, they fail to sustain a top 36 wide receiver for fantasy almost and more than two-thirds of the time. So you're really asking not only Deontay Johnson, but you're also asking Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, like we're down overall on the Steelers' offense. I think they could surprise. They're a good team. They're solid. We love their defense. But Claypool's just not some. I'd rather just take my shot at Pickens at the end. It's a cheaper, and that, that's what I'm planning to do with that Ravens stack. But yeah, I have very little Chase Claypool. Me too. Maybe I'll take a couple shares just in case we're wrong, but he seems like a decent bet against player this year. For sure. All right, so let's, before we transition into season-long props, I want to get a couple of best ball what I'm calling regrets or rad calls or ragrets and rad calls. In other words, when you started this process back in April, May, when you started doing best ball, what are some convictions you had about certain players? And let's start off with the bad, me and you. What are some players you have some regrets on? Maybe their ADP has gone south. There's just some bad vibes. So is there any players that have gotten you into a deep, deep hole? I mean, the easiest answer here by far for me is Gronk. And, you know, early in the offseason, I was like, listen, Tom's coming back one more year. There's no way he doesn't join him. So I was aggressively targeting him in like round 11, 12, wherever he was, thinking that he might climb up to be around eight, nine player by the end of August if he was playing. Well, right now it looks like he's not playing. So those picks are horrible in hindsight. But then I also told myself a story in a couple best ball manias. I was like, listen, what if he doesn't play for the first nine to 10 games and he comes back for the last month and a half of the season. Is he worth around 18 dart throw in best hall mania? Sure. And so I couldn't help myself. Like I have way too much Gronk right now for a player who's not currently playing in the NFL. And if he does actually stay retired, that is not good. Sticking with the bucks, Lenny, my boy, I feel like this podcast, people have heard me on both ends of the spectrum, be in love with, with Lombardi Len. And then also on the other side, um, which I'm going to refer to now as beefy Len based off of these <laughs> mini camp reports. And honestly, I don't know where to go with it because I have faded the narrative of like, he's out of shape, you know, uh, Rashad White's coming for his job, all these things. They just paid him a ton of money. Tom Brady trusts him. And so I keep going with Len, even when he falls into round three, because I feel like I want to buy the dip, but I'm just going to put this out there. Like, what if I'm wrong? And what if Len is actually in trouble with this weight situation? I haven't been able to see the other side of it. And that could come back to bite me in the butt. All right, so I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum of both those players. I took zero Gronk. I took the stance of I think he's going to retire, and his ADP was up enough. You know, what was he in that tight end, like 12 to 15 range for a while? Yeah, somewhere in there. Where I was like, I just like other players. I like Gerald Everett. I like, you know, Cole Komet. That was in that range. So I was fortunate to have not a lot of him, and I'm terrified because I don't have really much Leonard Fournette either. So I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum where – Maybe this weight thing is just overblown and he's going to be fine. And I loved his tweet, by the way. Like, what a what a oh. awesome way to play into it, Leonard Fournette, and just say, all right, I'm showing up to camp. Um, yeah, that so, was great. Well done. 
I would say that I do have a lot of Jameson Crowder. So this recent news of Isaiah McKenzie isn't like set in stone. He's always been a special teams guy. Uh, he was a fun player way back in the day at University of Georgia. Super fun. But it scares me enough because I kind of banked in. I think a lot of people did. Even the beat reporters said that they just thought he had the slot role locked up. So if he splits that time, it's even worse. But Jameson Crowder felt like a very easy you know, replacement for Cole Beasley, an upgrade in my opinion. And now it's looking a little bit less less great. And then I just need to add in here, I feel like a dummy when I looked at my exposures. I have more Michael Gallup than I'm proud of. And <laughs> on those rosters, I will add, I'm not counting on him. Like I think he's my wide receiver five or whatever it is on a lot of those rosters. So some of those were to you know get an extra Cowboys player in my stack and also hope that he's a player that a lot of sharp people don't have on their rosters going down the stretch because they're just avoiding him because they think, oh, these simpletons like Kyle are the ones that are drafting him. But give me your your honest take on Michael Gallup in terms of like a timeline, uh, anything else. Yeah, I mean, the reality is like if somehow he's miraculously ready for week one, which as of late July looks very unlikely, he's not 100%. And so he's an easy player that I would pass on a ton when he was sitting around like pick 120. That just didn't make much sense to me because at that point you're kind of not baking in his injury risk enough, in my opinion. I think there's a chance he starts out on PUP and misses at least four games would be the case, and then potentially more, like up to six, seven, eight weeks. I mean, his injury was so late in the season that this is a player I could see if Dallas is doing well in the first month of the season. Let's say they start, you know, six and two or something like that. There's no need for them to rush him back out there if they have those postseason aspirations. So I haven't taken much gallop, honestly. I think he could be at a point in August when we find out if he is on pup that if he's in like round 14 or 15, yeah, sure. Then you could take a shot because you know, he'll, he'll reach his peak, I guess when it matters most for best ball late in the season. So that's kind of my stance on Gallup. I'm just going to wait and see what happens. And that's the point of drafting, you know, a little bit over the summer and then kind of waiting. Like this is the point we're waiting because we're getting training camp news, but yeah, Michael Gallup's ADP is likely going to continue to drop. So if you're the person like me that was drafting him in round 10 or 11, and he ends up in round 14. That's just a that's a wide gap. You can't really compete against some of those other teams. So, really quickly, give me your so you give me your regrets. Give me your rad calls. In other words, you can do a victory lap. You can say that hey, I got this right because there's still a long way to go to get your money back. That's the best part of the off season. You know, you just when your your takes seem to be going in the right direction, even if they fall off, you know, <laughs> fall off a cliff mid season. You can look back and be like, man, remember in July when I told everyone about Kadarius Tony way before it was cool and we were talking about him and everyone you made fun of me. Everyone was talking about that, dude. Everybody. You made fun of me when I was like, dude, around, you know, 11 or whatever it was, like, give me Kadarius Tony. Now he's all the way up at like pick 90 overall in underdog. And so that feels really good to be on the, the sharp side of that. My boy Ramondre, love Stevenson. We'll see what happens. There was a report about uh, Pierre Strong potentially competing for the James White role, which is kind of the argument for Ramondre is that he could have early down work and the pass catching role. Um, but his underdog ADP is climbing. I have a ton of him. And then Alan Lazard, we were on him for a while, you know, a month ago. And now there's Christian Watson on the PUP. Um, Randall Cobb is is Randall Cobb. Like there's someone is going to emerge there from the, the Packers wide receiver room. And Lazard, where he was going previously, was awesome. And now he's all the way up at like pick heck 80. And that kind of feels rich to me. Yeah, no, I'm glad as a as a show in general. Uh, I know the ballers have kind of been pro-Lazard most of the time. And then we get this Christian Watson news. We still don't know what why he's on the PUP, right? It's undisclosed. 
they had not released it as of our recording. Right. And you know what? I props to them. Like they don't have to do that. There's some like I know we're in fantasy world and we're like, you need to give us information. Like they 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 can do whatever they want. So uh Alan Lazard's a great call. I'll add that yes, I'll continue to pound the table for Chris Olave. I think his ADP will only continue to rise from here. And my exposure rate is uncomfortably high. It is very, very high. But we'll talk about this in a second. There's a couple of props I really like with him. And at this point, right, like I have to I have to dig my heels in. Yeah, no, this is the time to just further dig yourself a hole. And if it works <laughs> out, great. And and if not, you just go down with it. And then I'll also add we've been pretty high on Cole Komet as a later tight end option. He's my highest rostered tight end. And I'm really proud of that because, you know, you can get him at tight end 16 for a while, 15, 14. I think he's going to end up at a tight end 12 or 13 when it's all said and done. I think that's probably pretty realistic, yeah. He's going to be the player this year that people that are casual or just getting back into fantasy are going to hop back in in August, and maybe they've missed all the summer, which is totally fine, and they're going to go, who's the late-round tight end I need to get? And everybody's going to be talking about Cole Komet. So I get it. Everybody and their mama knows that the opportunity's there. He's going to see targets. He still needs to catch touchdowns because he had none of them last year. <laughs> yes, any any number of touchdowns is an upgrade of last year. So just give us one, Cole. All right, we are going to head into our season-long props segment. Prop it like it's hot. Boom. I really, really, really like that drop and we actually stole it from the ballers that used to use that all the time so i feel like props is something that's going to be more a part of our show i just i just have this feeling um i don't really want to tease too much but i feel like in the fall our people need to know about player props right that's where it's at dude yes it's super super fun um it's a great way to marriage kind of the concepts of fantasy football of player evaluation of player usage you know schemes all that sort of stuff that we do for DFS and season-long leagues, let's just roll it over and hopefully get our listeners a little bit more money than they would otherwise. Yeah, this is something that I think bets is way better than me. I, I get to look at projections, but I think you're really good at picking off lines that are soft and then being able to do what you do. You move the lines, bets. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I looked back this morning at the article that's on the site. There are several of those that are no longer available or the juice is a lot more than what it was. So, not saying... Just saying. I mean, if you Google season long props uh, or player props to bet, it's going to show up on the on the on the top page. So props to you for doing that. I want to talk about the strategy behind this. Okay, so for those of you that are new to wagering in general, or maybe you're someone that's like, I don't have access to a book. I don't really care about this. Regardless of where you're at in the U.S. in the world, wherever you're at in terms of what betting is. This is something that you need to take into account, and it really does affect other parts of fantasy. So we talked a couple weeks ago about how you can leverage best ball and use that for redraft and DFS. The betting markets are there for a reason. They're making a lot more money than your home league. So you get to use these and make informed decisions, and then you get to find friends that if they need to place a wager for you, you can do that. Like, I mean, I've had friends that have done this. I did this for bets for a while. Uh you can find friends that can say, hey, let's go on this together. And that's what's super fun. Like To find something that you can say, I really want to either root for this or I think that this is a really good opportunity, that's what we're trying to do here. So 
Any general strategy you're giving about season-long props? Yeah, I kind of mentioned it at the top of the show. It, it's a generally pretty soft market. And what I mean by that is that the lines are not efficient across several books. So if you're logging in to place Chiefs minus three against the Broncos for a game, chances are any book that you look at, it's either going to be minus three or minus two and a half. Like you're not going to find a minus three and then a minus six. It's just not that big of a difference. But if you look across multiple sports books that offer these types of props, and we're talking about passing yardage totals, rushing yards, touchdowns, that sort of thing, like you will find some pretty big differences across books, 50 yards difference, 75 yards difference. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but that means a ton if you're trying to get the best number. So it is easy to kind of shop around. And if you have access to multiple books, that's the best way to be profitable with this. Because again, those lines are pretty inefficient. And just in general, in terms of how we want to bet these, you know, we kind of joked at the top of the show, you just bet every under and, and you win money. And the reason for that is because of, of them hitting at such a high rate. And you think about why that happens, right? In general, we as humans like to bet on performances happening for us. That's why it's super fun to sweat DFS. It's fun to play fantasy football. We like to have people succeed instead of betting against them. It's not very fun to be the guy at the party going, oh man, I hope he doesn't catch two more yards because I need this prop to hit. But the reality is there's so many outs to these bets cashing for you, whether it be an injury to that player, whether it be a wide receiver who has an injury to his quarterback or a running back who needs yards for rushing, they have two offensive line injuries. So things just happen. We see it every year with chaos in the NFL. That's the easiest out here. The other thing is just scheme changes, coaching changes. Um, you know, you need a lot to go right on the field for these overs to hit. And there's just a couple outs that can go your way for the under to come in, which is why we're going to be targeting a bunch of, a bunch of unders. And just hear us out. We're not rooting for any of these things to happen. I think you're really good about this, bets. Like with injuries it's the worst this is a human being what's going on but the reality is when you give somebody a line that i would say the casual person go oh of course he's going to hit that line we're not factoring in everything that could go wrong we're not factoring in you know like you mentioned performance scheme changes coaching changes um you know something as simple as this running back was running behind a really good offensive line let's just bank it in he's going to get 1200 yards like there's so much more at stake here uh, than we realize. So we're going to talk about a couple of different categories here. We'll start with quarterbacks, talk about passing yards, then we'll go to running backs, and then you know wide receivers go through some of those lines. And then at the very end, we're going to go through a rapid round where you and I are just going to fire off you know seven or eight different lines and season-long props that we would say, hey, go for this if you want uh, an over or an under. Uh, but yeah, in general, if you go on the site, you'll find a lot of unders because we find them quite profitable. But let's start with passing yards here. In general, how are you approaching this market? Because, you know, you look at the list in terms of who's going to lead the league in passing yards. It's all the studs, right? Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, uh, top four. Like, you can make an argument for any of these guys. So how are you approaching it from a numbers perspective? Yeah, if you're looking at, I guess it's two different conversations, right? One is the the outright leader, which is more of a long shot bet. The other one is just in general, if you're looking at passing yardage props. So I don't know what the lines are off the top of my head, but if you looked at like Patrick Mahomes, is he at 4,400 and a half yards or whatever it is? Like in that type of strategy, you're generally looking for, again, unders. I want to give a shout out to 444's Connor Allen. He did a, a thread on Twitter about this in terms of his research from last year's data. And the under on passing yardage hit a 74% rate. Now, I don't think that's sustainable necessarily to be that drastic, but it does speak to the fact that unders usually hit more. And so, you know, we're looking for um, situations that could go south, whether it be a weak receiving room, whether it be an inflated line, 
changing in terms of uh, offensive linemen, stuff like that. And uh, for me, unders is where it's at with this prop. And I want to give a shout out to you because you actually have one on here. And I was an idiot. Didn't even read the show doc. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I said, I don't know what it is. Kyle has it literally written here. Uh, 460 or four, sorry, 4,650 and a half uh, passing yards. So Kyle, let's say you on Pat Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes you look at that line and you would go, you can go back to like his career and go, oh, well, he's surpassed that. Like, like that's easy for him to be able to do. But what we're factoring in, we're not factoring in is how much can change and the fact that his yards per attempt have dropped three straight years. So that magical year that we all remember when he hit 50 touchdowns, his efficiency has dropped in terms of his TD rate and yards per attempt. We need to at least understand that. Teams that replace three wide receivers... I think we don't realize like how big of a deal it is to start all over with three different guys. Okay. Like, yes, Juju, yes, MVS, yes, Skymore. We think that they can be capable. But at the end of the day, I'm worried about this team in the red zone. I'm worried about this team a little bit in terms of just getting open. Like that's what that's the crazy thing about Tyreek is the separation you got was the best in the league. And so there's going to be times where he's running around and people just aren't open like they need to be. Uh, Sky Moore apparently is healthy right now, but started the camp with what, a hamstring injury? Yeah, that was mini camp. He had the hamstring issue. Yeah. So I'm worried about this, and the total is high enough where he has to he has to be Patrick Mahomes great. And in our projections and in the UDK, we have Patrick Mahomes down a little further in terms of performance and what he's been in the, in the years past so i think that this is an easy one for me to smash the under can he hit over sure like he could throw for five thousand passing yards this isn't to knock on if he could do it but based on what you said in the research of unders like this one seems easy to me yeah i think you just look at like you said just what's what's changed right year over year well tyree kill out you know a rookie in um juju who there's major question marks about and then MVS has been a historical boom-bust type of player. It, to me, Tyreek Hill, and I think Andy just said this on uh, the Tuesday show this week, Tyreek Hill is one of one. There is no other Tyreek Hill in the NFL. Like He matters for Patrick Mahomes, certainly. And if you don't think he does, look at the playoff game against the Bills when he takes it, what, 75 yards of the house. So I think this is a decent bet just based off the reasons that you mentioned and the historical underrate for sure. Yeah, you can just scroll through these. on. We're on DraftKings Sportsbook. And look at some of these lines and... and your first initial reaction will say, oh, this player can hit that. Like, that's that's not that hard. Like, right now, Dak Prescott, 43.50. Like, he went way over that this past year. Uh, I'm interested in your take on Jalen Hurts. So, Jalen Hurts' prop right now is at 36.50. All right, 36.50 and a half. You're asking this offense to take a major step forward in terms of pass attempts and you just what his passing yards per game was. Do you see Jalen Hurts as someone that we like for fantasy, but is easier to actually fade in some of these season-long markets? I mean, there's definitely outs here for this to not not hit. The, the most obvious one is the Eagles are who they were in the second half of the season. That's the easy argument, is they were one of the most run-heavy teams in football, second to only the Patriots in rush rate down the stretch. And that's when they won... They're like seven and two or seven and three and made the playoffs. So you could, in theory, tell yourself that that's what they did. It worked. So why would they not do that again this year? And so if that's the case, it's going to be hard for Jalen Hurts to hit this with efficiency um, if the if the pass volume is down. Now on the other side of the coin, this you could say they brought in AJ Brown. They're going to throw more. They threw a lot in the 
opening month or two of the season. And I get that argument, but I think I would lean under here just because of the fact that, again, you're asking Jalen Hurts to take yet another step forward as a passer, which he can do. But if they run a bunch, it's going to be tough for him to get their own efficiency. What's sad is when you start to add up the numbers, like you're asking him based on this prop to average 215 yards passing per game. It's not, it's, it's really not that much. Last year was right at 210. So, you could look at that and go, oh, well, that's easy. Like, just five more passing yards per game. That's that's totally doable. It's also not factoring in the, you know, if he gets injured. That's really what we're saying here. And with a mobile quarterback, that definitely increases the risk. He only started 15 games this past year. So keep that in mind. We're not just saying add up the numbers. Does it look good? You're adding them up and then saying, is there room for error if they start 15 games, 14 games, whatever it is, uh, an injury. So before we move on to running backs... I want to quickly get your take on the passing yards leader. I know that you were really bullish on Justin Herbert, and now the lines have moved. I mean, that's what happens, right? Yeah, this was a huge mismatch. I put this out actually on my Twitter about a month ago. I was just doing some research for myself, trying to find some good lines. And I was like, oh, on FanDuel, he's plus uh, 800. Seems like a decent price. Looked over on DraftKings, he was the odds-on leader at plus 500. That's just a bad line on FanDuel's part. So I'm going to take it. Plus 800, it's now plus 700 to lead the league in passing. And it's not easy to, you know, or it's not difficult, I should say, to understand why that would be the case. This team is up in pace every year. They throw a ton. They've got two top tier wide receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They go for it a ton on fourth down, so you're going to get extra plays. There's a lot to like about Justin Herbert. I just thought it was a bad line on on FanDuel relative to DK, and I still think there's some value over there at plus uh, 700. Yeah, it makes sense that he would be the favorite. Is there anybody else that you would say is a long shot? I'm giving you the odds right in front of you with DraftKings, but it's really hard to start talking yourself into a player like Aaron Rodgers because he's so efficient, like way down there. Same thing with Russell Wilson. Like he's going to be a player that could lead the league in passing touchdowns, which I, I don't mind going that that route. But passing yardage, there's really only a handful of players that I really like. So any value here? Yeah, this is one that you don't want to go too far down the board. And it's the same reason in fantasy, right? Like these late round quarterbacks cannot compete with these these studs. And that's the same same thing here. I actually do like Russ at, at, at uh, plus 1,800 to have a chance for that. If they are aggressive with Nathaniel Hackett and let Russ really do his thing, there's definitely a path to that hitting. I think what you were hinting at, though, is, is what you wanted me to talk about. Maybe I didn't. Are you hoping that I talk about Kirk Cousins? I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> but what, what's your take there? He's the same price as Russ. Yeah, it's it's shocking to me because so his, his line is 4,200 and you really have to connect the dots of Kevin O'Connell, this new coach. It's going to be a pass-happy offense, and maybe we get Kirk Cousins we used to see in Washington. Now, I think they're just going to be a much more efficient offense than what they had. Like, you know, the running game's going to be great. We love the Vikings. But if he if he goes off, if we get, like, you know, above-average Adam Thielen – if K.J. Osborne is running as the third wide receiver 75% of the time, like he's actually out on the field, and they open it up even more, and Justin Jefferson has an otherworldly season, it would not shock me if he ends up in the top three. Now, it's I just have a hard time seeing a scenario where, you know, Herbert or Brady, I mean, they're just going to pass the ball so much more than Cousins. So I think he's capped from like a attempts, you know, bases like i just can't see him getting over 600 attempts and that's something oh, 600 absolutely dude if if they come over with the ram scheme matt uh Matthew I mean, you're Stafford talking dirty over, to me over 600 and 
when he was in Washington, Kirk Cousins, he has familiar with Kevin O'Connell, who was the passing game coordinator. He was over 600 in two seasons in terms of pass attempts in Washington. I think there's a legitimate chance he does go over 600. So I, I don't know if I'm further increasing your <laughs> confirmation bias here or what, but I think there is a possibility that, that happens. And I will say, I, I mentioned this to Jason Slack the other day. This was like two weeks ago. I was like, dude, you realize you have Kirk Cousins to lead the league in passing in your projections? And he said, oh, wow, that's probably too high. So he didn't necessarily go in saying that uh, that is going to happen. His numbers led him there, but we know realistically it's probably not going to happen. But I just want to point out, there are several reasons we are excited about Kirk Cousins, Jason included, clearly in his projections. And and I do think he goes over 600 attempts. I mean, I would love it. I, I just think this team is going to be better than some of those Washington teams, but uh, we'll see. I, th- the ceiling is there is what we're saying. I think the ceiling is there for 40 passing touchdowns. Sure. I believe, I believe that for sure. All right. Before we get to running backs, let's take a quick break. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. All right, we are going to go to running backs here, talking about rushing yards, rushing touchdowns. If ever there was one to just jump on the under, it's the running back position. Tell the people why. Yes, this is it. Uh, and the reason is, you know, the injury rates are just higher for running backs compared to other positions as far as skill positions. So there's a lot that you have to have go right for an over to hit here. So again, we're looking for unders as we usually are with these props in the uh, in the running back room. When you start to look at, you know, fantasy, like that's what we're used to. We're used to projecting for fantasy. We're used to the names at the very top. You go down the list last year, all right? Of the top 12 fantasy running backs, here's the ones that played all 17 games. Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Ezekiel Elliott. That's it, all right? You go down even further, and you just say, okay, well, what about like the top 20 guy that just kind of hung around? You add only one more to that list. It was Javante Williams. And in the world of COVID and everything else, like that had to be factored in in making these lines. But a lot of these top running backs are getting 14 games, 13 games, 15 games. And that's that's a solid season. Like, James Conner was awesome last year for fantasy. He played 15 games, right? James Conner, do you know how many rushing yards? I, I forget. Do you know how many rushing yards James Conner had last year? Um, 950. What if I told you it was 752? <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> so he just fell in the end zone that much. Dude, he just kept falling in the end zone. They kept giving him goal line carries. This year, let's let's use James Conner as an example. He's at 825. Now, he wasn't the full-time guy right off the bat. That was, you know, kind of splitting with Chase Edmonds and Chase Edmonds got hurt. How would you approach a line like this because he wasn't terribly efficient last year, but he was really good around the goal line, but we project him to see more volume overall this year and the line's a little bit higher. So 852, I think in our projections we'd say, "Oh, well that's easy. Like he's going to he's going to go over that." A player like James Conner, I have to think about much more. Yeah, he does have a significant injury history, and no one is coming on the show or any show really to predict who's going to get injured. But if you look at historical data and 
you know, uh, exposure in terms of how much he's going to be touching the football. Like James Conner has been a guy that struggled to stay healthy. And was last year the new James Conner? Maybe. Was last year just a, an outlier? Also, maybe. And so if you're going to give me that out, plus the fact that like the offensive line for the Cardinals is still not great. Um, they generally, you know, like to throw a little bit more. They just pay Kyler Murray a ton of money. So I think if you're going to take a side of this, it's clearly the under. I want to also talk about some of the quarterbacks, which get to show up here. Um, so there's some of these quarterbacks that are all lumped together in terms of their totals. So Justin Fields, 525 and a half. Kyler Murray, 525 and a half. Lamar Jackson, 900 rushing yards. And then one more I need to throw in there. Our boy Trey Lance at 500 rushing yards. I think all of those can smash that total, but how are you handling rushing quarterbacks? Because there is more risk. You know, like Kyler easily could have surpassed that total last year, but he was hurt. Sure. Yeah. And and the tricky thing with these two is like a lot of them are kind of being priced into what they've done historically. So, you know, Lamar Jackson at 900 sounds like, oh, he could easily get to 1200 yards, but 300 yards in the grand scheme of a season is not that much. And so I generally don't want to be looking for overs here unless it's something that we haven't seen before. And truthfully, the Trey Lance feels a little bit low. If he's going to run as much as he did last year, again, small sample, a lot of projection. But if I'm going to take an over on any of these guys, it's Trey Lance because you could argue season's end, he'd be like, oh, he should have been at 750 and a half for his prop. Like they just don't know because we haven't seen it. But if we're projecting this, then I would take the over. Yeah, it's tough with Trey Lance. He's at minus 150 right now. Uh, so I don't love that line, but 500 no, I, yard, like that I would love it if it moved up to, let's say, 550 and, you know, minus 110, minus 115. I'd be much more, I mean, 50 yards is nothing for Trey Lance, right? I mean, no, he's he, going to he, get, first he's gonna get that at least on the first play, probably 100 yards. No, I think that line's a little bit softer. I don't mind the Justin Fields one, but once again, you're asking these players to play the entire season. So with running backs, there are some totals out there that I would say are really, really high. So Jonathan Taylor, I would assume most people would project him to lead the league in rushing. His total is at 1450. He smashed that last year. But I've already taken an under on this total because I feel like there's just so many outs. Yeah, he's the odds on favorite. He's uh, plus 450 to lead the league in rushing. Just in, in general, you know, like you said, there's so many outs. He gets injured, offensive line gets injured, they go more throw-heavy now that Matt Ryan is there instead of Carson Wentz. Um, yeah, he, could he come out and have 1,700 yards on the ground? Of course, we would be excited about that in fantasy. But if you're looking at most likely outcome is that he does not hit this mark just because the historical data tells us that's probably not going to happen. All right, so what values are you seeing out there at the running back position in terms of rushing yardage? Uh, so it's Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, those are the top four in terms of the odds. Anybody else out there that you like in terms of value? So the tricky thing about the value here is that there's some criteria that I think running backs have to hit based off the last five seasons. And I went back and looked at who led the league in rushing and what they did. And so uh, the last several people that have led, you know, have been players that can eclipse 300 rushing attempts. So that very quickly shortens your list of who that is going to be. You know, we saw it with Jonathan Taylor. Derrick Henry did it two years in a row. Then there was a gap where Kareem Hunt led the league. He did not have 300. But then it was Zeke who did that, um, you know, the year before. So it's not a big list. If you're looking at these backfields that might split, you know, like Antonio Gibson or maybe Elijah Mitchell, like it's it's tough to see those getting there. So I'm not really looking for value way down the board. That said, I do think Joe Mixon is a decent bet at, at plus uh, 1,400. And I looked at the ballers' projections to see who do they have around that 300-yard mark. 
or not 300 yards, sorry, 300 rush attempts. And he was fourth for everyone in terms of rush attempts total on the season at the running back position. His average was right at 300. So you can make an argument that, you know, Cincinnati made a, a lot of upgrades to their offensive line. They brought in Alex Kappa from the Bucks, Leal Collins from the Cowboys. Like, do they just run more with Joe Mixon? We've seen Zach Taylor do that in his, um, you know, tenure as head coach. So if he stays healthy, it's a long shot. It could be fun to root for. Give me Joe Mixon. I tried to find some value here. Uh, I really like Dalvin Cook, you know, in terms of plus 100. I, I'm obviously super bullish on the Vikings. Javante Williams is interesting at plus 2,000. I think where you're going to run into a problem is the carries. So you're going to have to project that uh, something happens to Melvin Gordon. So I think he's priced right. I do like the value. I think he's talented enough. He's in that age range that I really like. But when you start dipping down a little bit further, I mean, you are just shooting for the moon with some of these guys. I've seen a lot of people talk about DeAndre Swift as a long shot bet to lead the league in rushing at plus 6,000. There's no chance. That's lighting your money on fire, in my opinion. What's your argument that there's no chance? One, is he going to see 300-plus attempts? Probably not. No, no way, no chance. I would I would definitely put some money on that right now. I don't think the Lions are going to be that good. All right, so even if you get over your six-and-a-half wins that everybody's excited about, you're not going to get a player that's going to see the type of volume to lead the league in rushing. And on an efficiency basis, basis he's just not been special as a runner. That's true. The underlying metrics actually are not good on Swift, even though we love him for fantasy because he can catch right, the football. Right. Yeah, in, in the projections I just looked, his highest projected carry total is 215. Everyone else is under that in terms of Andy, Mike, and Jason. So it seems very unlikely he'll hit the threshold we're looking for. Yeah, you you need to find a player that's going to get 270-plus carries, and it's really hard when you start going down the list. Like Melvin Gordon's a long shot if something happens to Javante. Um, <laughs> some other ones on here just make me laugh. Uh, Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, <laughs> um, just, just Michael Carter. I could not imagine putting money down for Michael Carter leading the league and rushing. Uh, yeah, don't do that. No, don't do that at all. All right, let's go to receivers. Receiving yardage is one of the more enticing stats to go after because we know that wide receivers can have monster games, right? 150 yards in a game. And those start to add up. Like, I just remember Justin Jefferson's rookie year. I had him on a redraft team, and I loved it. But it felt like he was good. I just didn't understand until the end of the season. Like, whoa, this dude had 1,400 receiving yards, and it didn't feel like that. So receiving yards can add up because of a couple of monster games and just starting to string that together. How do you approach these receivers because obviously there's so many of them we can even look at running backs and tight ends there are so many different yardage totals that we can look at and there's a lot of competition for yardage but there's a couple players that were like all right a thousand yards keenan allen that's basically what he's been the last five years and that's where his line is so how are you approaching receivers yeah again shout out to to connor from four for four he found that the unders are hitting at about a 64 percent clip so we're still looking for unders that said there are some overs that i like and we'll talk about that here at the end of the show and i think what you're looking for is you know if you're going for an over like not only does the line have to be right but you also have to look at target competition who are they playing against or, or alongside of i should say quarterback play is it a middling or back end um you know quarterback that you don't really trust that much or is it josh allen and tom brady um, and then the other thing is scheme. Like if I'm going to target an over in this in this market, 
it's got to be a team that's going to be up there, not only pace of play, but also neutral situation pass rate. So you're looking at guys on like the Bucks, the Bills. Um, we think maybe the Vikings, like that sort of situation uh, for me. Other than that, though, definitely looking for unders. There's a couple of different uh, ways to look at this. And with so many receivers, I I bet I could say there are 10 receivers that I would feel confident like they could lead the league in receiving. Like I really, I can look at our projections and say they could do it. So I have like a ton of conviction that Justin Jefferson is going to be the wide receiver one this year, but he's priced that way in this market. So it's really hard for me to feel like I'm getting any type of advantage when Justin Jefferson is the dude here. Is there any value here on finding guys on offense that we just haven't seen it yet? Like that's, that's what we can take advantage of with receivers. Like I haven't seen somebody just go off. So Jason, props to Jason last year, he made some good money on Cooper Cup leading the league and receiving touchdowns. Now, he didn't bet that before the season, but after, I think, week two or week three, he jumped all in on it and made a good chunk of cash from it. Is there any you know, strategy to kind of waiting for receivers? Yeah, I think that's definitely possible, and I think you know you kind of have to look at uh, what's happening around them. Like, like, so like when Jared Goff was there for using Cooper Cup last year, we would think it's pretty unrealistic to expect Cooper Cup to lead the league in receiving touchdowns. But you get a quarterback upgrade who's more likely to push the ball down the field, and you could say, okay, like Sean McVay really is taking the training wheels off this offense. You can see it on the field. So there is a range of outcomes where it does happen. Um, I think that there's probably some good strategy to wait and kind of see how things go. That said, you know, that's not what we're here for today, Kyle. We're here for fun. We're here to jump on some of these lines. So I think when you're talking about embracing that, like, you know, lack of certainty, I'll kick it over to you. Like you have Cortland Sutton listed on here as a possible league leader in touchdowns. I am banking on that that my friend who wrote an article this year's Cooper Cup actually was not a liar the whole time. That was Betts. He wrote an article about who could be this year's Cooper Cup. Cortland Sutton was one of those players. You're going to talk about another one of those players who could kind of do the same thing. But I'm looking for have I seen it yet? And with Cortland Sutton, you've seen one season of truly elite production and a bunch of poo poo because of the people throwing the football. It is and the ACL and the ACL. Don't forget about that. It astounds me when I look at receiving touchdown leaders and I see his name just buried on the list and even crazier buried behind Jerry Judy. So Jerry Judy right now is plus 2,200 to lead the league in receiving touchdowns. I would put this at plus 7,000 for Jerry Judy. Like that just astounds me. A player that we've, Kind of not seen any like glimpses of truly elite production. He had one awesome game. It was against the Falcons. I remember it very clearly. But Jerry Judy has two games in his career. Two. Where he's finished as the top 20 fantasy wide receiver. Two in two years. Like I wish I would see even more of a glimpse. With Cortland Sutton, I've seen that. And I think projecting Cortland Sutton for 9 to 10 touchdowns feels very reasonable in this offense and what Russ does as an efficient passer. I could see 14 touchdowns from Cortland Sutton this year. Thoughts? It's possible if he carves out the goal line role and they let Russ throw around the goal line, which, you know, going back to his days in Seattle, they didn't really do. But we know how good Russell Wilson is, right? Like going back to, I, I put this in my article, I forget off the top of my head what year it is. It's like 2016, 17, something like that. He supported at least one top 15 wide receiver every single season, even with the volume concerns. So if you get the same Russell Wilson with the volume, I mean, 
that's this is why people are taking shots on Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And I think in the betting markets, if you're looking at how they sort of valued, like looking at just the receiving yardage leader, we're not saying that that's necessarily the bet Kyle wants to make, but he's down there at plus 4,500, which is the same as Darnell Mooney, which is the same as Terry McLaurin and Amari Cooper. Like give me Cortland Sutton with the quarterback play he's going to have over all those names. He's just a misprice in the market. And so you could tell yourself, even if it doesn't work out, which probably it won't, but from a process standpoint, that number just feels too good to pass. I'm going to give you some other names at the receiving touchdowns because I would say you and I think that's a better market for Sutton than the yardage. Probably, yeah. All right, I'm going to give you some names that are either priced the same as Cortland Sutton or even better. So this is what DK Sportsbook, smart people, uh, are saying are better bets. Dalton Schultz. What? <laughs> you ready? You ready? Darnell Mooney, you mentioned him. Uh, Hunter Renfro, your boy. I mean, I'll never bet against Hunter. He's the GOAT. <laughs> There's no way Hunter Renfro will lead the league <laughs> in receiving touchdowns with a healthy Dar- Darren Waller and Devontae Adams. All right, a couple more. Amari Cooper, you mentioned. Uh, Deontay Johnson. No no chance. No chance at all. Russell Gage. Chris Godwin. Nope. nope. I mean, these are just, I think they're kind of silly where he's priced. Um, Jalen Waddell. There's just, and then Jerry Judy is the one that's just insane to me. That he would be priced way ahead of him. So Cortland Sutton at plus four thousand lead the league and receiving touchdowns is a wager that I've recently bet, and um, I'm not saying it's my stone cold uh, lock of the century, but I think there's good value. Um, <laughs> let's go with one guaranteed to hit. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Just put it, take out your mortgage. Um, give me one here. This is another player that you're bullish on from a what could be perspective, and that's Juju. Yeah, and this is part of kind of what I was looking for in the Cooper Cup argument is, do I think anyone's going to have the best wide receiver season of all time this year? No, of course not, because Cooper Cup season was historically insane if you go back and look at the numbers. But the reason people were not targeting Cooper Cup is because he was good in the past, but he had a down year and he wasn't being drafted at his ceiling because people weren't sure, is he the wide receiver one or is it Robert Woods? And actually, Cooper Cup was going after Robert Woods last year, which in hindsight looks silly, but... You know, you ask anyone who the wide receiver one is in Kansas City, and people will tell you Juju. People will tell you MVS. Someone is going to tell you Sky Moore. But the reality is, like, Juju Smith-Schuster has succeeded in the NFL in the past, and he's going with from Big Ben, who was basically Kyle out there on the field, to Patrick Mahomes, arguably the best thrower of the football in the league. We have a player who put up 111 receptions and 1,400 yards playing with Antonio Brown in a healthy Antonio Brown season. So if you tell me Travis Kelsey is going to take away from Juju, sure, some games he will. But on the season, I think both can succeed and both can eat. So I like Juju as a long shot here to lead the league in receptions. He's plus 3,100 on FanDuel. He's plus 2,500 on DK. Am I crazy, Kyle? No, I don't think you are. And I think you're doing the right thing of shopping the different markets and taking advantage where there's uncertainty. And I think you can do that in a couple of different scenarios. Now, like we've said, this is a market when it comes to receptions, that there's so many different players that we like and you really can take your stabbing out. There's not a ton of value there. I'll give you a name. I mean, once you start getting past the first like 10 names, it's obvious like, okay, you got to take some shots here. Um, <laughs> Cameron Braid is plus 9,000. Why? Why? <laughs> Why would somebody do this? Uh, but Alan Lazard is actually priced the exact same as him. That's just stupid. If he's the one, I'm not saying he's going to get you know 120 receptions, but if he's the guy and he's just funneled targets, could he hit 100 receptions? 
I think it's possible. I think it's unlikely. But I think there is un- a range of outcomes where it happens. I think it's unlikely, and I think it's very stupid that he's priced the same as Cameron Brait. Um, any interest in the running backs at all? The pass-catching running backs, DeAndre Swift, Christian McCaffrey? No. McCaffrey is priced the same as Jerry Judy around Mike Evans. It's just a long shot. Now, it's happened in the past. Remember one year, LaDainian Tomlinson did it. But these these markets, you are taking a stab and you're hoping for an outlier season. So we like Stephon Diggs in a lot of these, especially the receptions and the receiving yards. I think there's still some value based on what he did last year that people aren't recognizing. So uh, we will get out some more of these, but let's get into a rapid round. It's time for Rapid Round. And I'm going to hit two of these markets that you're pretty passionate about. I know we're going to have some articles, but really quickly, MVP. MVP, we're going to have more shows on this. We're going to have some more content coming out. But MVP, what's the general take and any quick, I really like this player? I mean, the general strategy is you want to be betting on quarterbacks. They win a lot more than any other position, even when you look last year, you know, at what Cooper Cup did, he still couldn't win MVP two years ago. What Derrick Henry did, he still couldn't win MVP. So if you're not betting on quarterbacks, more likely than not, you're letting your money on fire. You're also looking for quarterbacks who have passed to winning 11 plus games and the division and making the playoffs is, is critical. Obviously, you're not going to find it on a, you know, four and, and 13 team or something like that. So they have to be a good team. They got to win a ton of games and they got to be difference makers. So I still love Lamar. He's at plus 2000. We've talked about him a ton. If you need more on that, go to the site. But Baltimore has the 11th easiest strength of schedule. Poor Warren Sharp. Lamar has done it before. People are down on him. I am all the way in. But how about a value? Can we talk about Trey Lance for just one quick second? I am not. Can we just can we just embrace the uncertainty? And let me give you a comp, okay? Trey Lance is plus 5,000, 50 to 1. San Francisco sitting at 10 win total. We talked about a team needs to win 11 games. Can they win 11, 12, heck, even 13 games? It's possible, right? I mean, it's definitely possible. They're currently minus 225 to make the playoffs. So Vegas is telling us this team is likely headed to the playoffs. They have the seventh shortest odds to win the Super Bowl. Again, Vegas is telling us this is a good team. Why is Trey Lance, a quarterback of a good team, all the way down there? I'm not saying he's going to win, but that is just a bad price. And you look at 2019 when Lamar Jackson won the MVP. Absolutely no one saw that coming. He was the first-year starter in Baltimore. You know, he was a guy that people were kind of uncertain on. Is he the dude? Is he not the dude? Can he actually throw the football? We don't know, but he's going to run. That sounds a lot like Trey Lance to me. If he comes out for 900 rushing yards and and totals like 40 combined touchdowns, rushing and throwing, does Trey Lance not have a shot to win MVP? Call me crazy. I love this bet at, at plus 5,000. No, I'm with you. Obviously, all the way. Still don't understand why Deshaun Watson has better MVP odds than him. Why Derrick Henry has better MVP odds. Uh, there's just... There's so many different ways that he could actually finish there. And like you said, the, the Vegas odds are, are good. So we'll put out more stuff on MVP. But yes, quarterbacks. And it's another market that you can wait on. Like Aaron Rodgers was one that I took last year in November when they went on by. And when they went on by, Tom Brady was the presumed favorite. And I took Aaron Rodgers and he went on an awesome run those last two weeks or last two months. And I actually did pretty well in this market. So um, that's pretty good. Comeback player of the year. You and I last year got our hearts broken because our process said Dak. And we were right all the way through. And then the very end, we're like, all right, we're going to do Joe Burrow. And <laughs> and we, we made out well. But I, it was still painful because it's usually a quarterback. 
that's winning this market. Um, 10 of the last 14 have been quarterbacks, and it's usually somebody coming back from an injury. Yeah, that's what you're looking at here is definitely guys come back from injury for sure. So uh, it's, again, shocking that Deshaun Watson is even on this list. No one is going to vote for him with what's going on. Uh, but some value, we talked about Juju having an outlier season. He's plus 2,500. He lost most of his season last year to a shoulder uh, surgery, uh, or injury, I should say, some depth surgery. Came back late in the season. So maybe he's not the best bet here. I think it's okay. But one that I think is kind of interesting is Khalil Mack. Plus 4,000, had the season-ending foot injury, now gets over to Los Angeles. It's going to be a great team. And he gets to play across from Joey Bosa. So no longer is he the focus for an offensive line. It is Joey Bosa. Could open up a ton of, you know, pressures and opportunities for strip sacks, fumble recoveries, whatever. Um, he's a fun long shot bet. No, I, I like that bet a lot in terms of just the value. I think Rich McCaffrey has the emotional side of just fantasy football world. Um, he's at plus 750, so I see that. But, yes, quarterbacks are a much better bet here. If Daniel Jones somehow leads the Giants to the playoffs, I, I think that there's a lot going on there. Um and then same thing with Baker. Like if they somehow make the playoffs, the Panthers, I think a lot of people would be behind that. But let's go through and just fire off these. I'm going to list a player, list a line, and then you quickly give me if you like the over or the under. You with me? I'm ready. All right. Joe Burrow, 34 and a half passing touchdowns. What are you taking? Eileen under, it's just an inflated line. Over on FanDuel, it's 32 and a half. So you could just say on DK, it's a bad line. Um, what was his touchdown rate? 6.9% last year. If that regresses, he's hitting the under. Yep. He had 34 touchdowns this past year. So uh, I think that there's major room for regression. I will take the under. Najee Harris. This is actually a bet that you put up on the site. People can get this. 1,200 and a half rushing yards. Yeah. Last year, like you said, he was one of just a few guys to play every game. He had 307 rush attempts, a ton of volume, and he still couldn't hit this mark. He had 1,200 on the dot. So you factor in maybe a couple of missed games based off historical data. Uh, bad offensive line. Give me the under. All right. I'll take the under as well. C.D. Lamb, my boy, just came out with an article, the case for C.D. Lamb. I know I'm supposed to bet the under here, but the line is 11.75.5 for receiving yards. Why are you taking the over? Yeah, this is one where I don't mind just going in on a player that if he plays, what, what would you say, like 14 games, 15 games? Like To me, this is almost a certain over bet if he does that because in three years with Kellen Moore as the OC, Dallas has been top two in neutral situ situation pace the last two years, and they've been top six in total plays per game. So you get a great quarterback in Dak, a ton of volume, and look at the receiver room. Jalen Tolbert, Michael Gallup off the ACL. It is the CeeDee Lamb show, and if he's going to get volume, I don't see how he doesn't go over this mark. I wrote this in the article, but second-year breakout wide receivers is kind of like what the industry has been talking about. For the last year or so since, well, Jason's article. Uh, second year breakouts. But third year is when they hit their ceiling. Like third year is when you get their ceiling outcome. He's priced that way in fantasy, and I think it's priced. So, yes, I will take the over for the sake of my article. And that is so Love selfish. It. But, yeah, I, I think I think he's going to be an alpha. Daniel Jones, 21 and a half passing touchdowns. Uh, the reason I put this on here is because it's just a low total. Like, I don't think Daniel Jones has to be amazing, but can he give us 24, 25 pass touchdowns? And, and in fantasy, he'd be like, okay, that was fine. But he hits the over on this. I think it's just too low for a Brian Dayball offense, even if Daniel Jones is just an average quarterback. I'm with you. I, I You're basically saying if this guy plays the whole year, and that's a big question mark. That's the reason why it's priced that way. I think 24, 25 touchdowns feels about right. 
Cam Akers, 950 and a half at rushing yards. Yeah, this is one, again, it's just a lot of uncertainty, right? Like, what is Cam Akers? You know, we saw him down the stretch. He clearly wasn't 100%. But you could argue that this is priced as if he is 100% because you look at the other running backs that are priced around this this number, they don't have injury concerns or question marks, and Cam Akers certainly does. So I'm not saying he can't hit the over. I'm just saying if you're looking at most likely range of outcomes factoring in games possibly missed, easy under for me on Akers. Yeah, the the under for rushing yard is what we like. I will say that Akers one of those players, I think we talked about this on Mailback Show, of which players are you most scared of being wrong you wish could just be deleted from the system? I, I wish it was Cam Akers because <laughs> I haven't been taking a lot of him. And I do see a scenario where he's just, you know, 10 to 15 touchdowns and he's a stud. He's a top 10 running back. Yeah, no, and I think that's the other thing too with this. Like with Akers, and the reason people are in on him in fantasy is because if it goes great, it's going to be incredible. And if it goes south, I think it's going to be terrible. I don't think there's going to be like this middle range where he's like fine as a fantasy player. I think he's okay to take shots on, but there's definitely paths for things going south. All right, two more. DJ Moore, your boy. Deniston Oliver Moore Jr. Uh, What a guy. I know. Four and a half receiving touchdowns. Can DJ Moore get to five receiving touchdowns? Please, 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 please. Just once can we get a DJ Moore season. Um, it is, it's pricey. So if you're going over on this, it's minus 140, which I hate, but this is just too low. DJ Moore has had four, four and four the last three seasons. So I think the books are just factoring in like, what is his career average, but not factoring in Sam Darnold has literally been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL the last two or three years. And Baker Mayfield is fine. He's not great, but he's better than Sam Darnold. And can he get us DJ Moore to five or six touchdowns, which is not that much to ask? Certainly, I think he can. And if you're looking for more of an analytical approach to this, over the last three seasons, DJ Moore has a touchdown reception on just 4.8% of his catches. That is insanely low. League average for wide receivers in that time frame, just under 8%. If you get any regression at all, this goes over. Yeah, after you know three years ago, you'd be like, oh, there's no way. He, he can only go up from here. He had four touchdowns next year, four. After that, you're like, okay, well, there's no way he could. You this know. is it. <laughs> so, yes, I agree, though, that that in terms of just what you would bet on and what I would say is like, come on, we can see north of that. That touchdown rate is too too low. And then this last one, this is one of the harder lines I've seen, and I paused at it for a while. Rashad Bateman, 70 and a half receptions. I don't know. Truthfully, this is a no bet for me. I could see the argument for the over. I could see the argument for the under. Um, it's, I think it's a good line, so I'm, I'm out on this one. I took the under, so I wanted to get your opinion. And mostly it was because of seeing how Lamar Jackson has supported his wide receivers, all right? There's only been one wide receiver. We're not talking about Mark Andrews, but one wide receiver who's seen more than 70 receptions since he's been the quarterback. It was last year. It was Hollywood Brown. And it's hard to use those Ravens as the true template for what the team wanted to do. Because of their injuries at the running back position and because their pass rate skyrocketed and because of the injuries, and they used Tyler Huntley, well, they used Josh Johnson for a game. Like, there's, I can't use that as the template. So if I go back to what I know and what they've talked about with Greg Roman as we want to go back to being this smash mouth team, I think it's really hard to see over. So I will take the under because I feel like historical trends and just in general, I will take an under. So I'm rooting for Rashad Bateman, but I will gladly take the under. I hope you're wrong because I have a lot of him in best ball. I have not a ton of him. I like running Lamar naked. I said it. Hey now. Hey now. I just don't mind just Lamar 
out there as my quarterback, and then I'll take a shot at the end, James Brochet, Devin DuVernay, and call it a day. All right. That's going to wrap up our show on season-long prop bets. Bets and I will get to put out some content that if you guys want it out in front of you. But, yes, with the DFS pass, we will be rolling out slowly but surely more content related to props and what we like and we what we think are good lines. So, bets, close out July for us. Tell everyone goodbye. Dude, August is here. Well, that means fantasy season is right on the corner. Also, preseason DFS, Kyle. Let's go. Uh, I'm excited, man. This is a fun show. Be sure to check out all the stuff we have on the site. We're back next week. And uh, Trey Lance, MVP. Let's go. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.